Welcome to the How Writers Write podcast, a show focused on inspiring and empowering you to become a better writer. Come along as we deconstruct the tips, routines, and motivations of your favorite authors. In the end, it's all about getting your story onto the page. Welcome to episode 88, How Yasmin Ango Writes. I am so excited to air this interview with Yasmin Ango. Yasmin's debut novel, Her Name is Night, will be released on November 1st, 2021. And chatting with her as she surfs with her upcoming debut novel was just such a pleasure. Yasmin and I dive into what it has been like to publish her first novel, her entire writing journey, so how she got to this point, and some of the big lessons she has learned along the way. More than anything, though, I just loved chatting with Yasmin. Her spirit and openness and wisdom and just knowledge of writing made our hour literally just fly by. It looked at the clock and we were done. I want to say thank you to Yasmin for her time. And now, my friends, without any further ado, here is the interview with Yasmin Ango. Welcome to the How Writers Write podcast. I am your host, Brian, and today's very special guest is Yasmin Ango. Hailing from Northern Virginia, Yasmin is a first-generation Ghanaian-American who grew up in two cultural worlds. She taught English, got an English teacher on her hands here, in middle <laughs> and high school for years, served as an instructional coach for virtual teachers, and works as a freelance developmental and copy editor. So lots and lots and lots to talk about. Yasmin received the 2020 Eleanor Taylor Bland Award for Emerging Writers of Color from Sisters in Crime, of which she's a proud member. She lives in South Carolina with her beautiful blended family, and when she's not writing, Yasmin's editing for clients, trying new recipes, or absorbed in an audiobook. Yasmin's debut novel. Debut. I love talking to debut novelists. Her Name is Night will be released on November 1st, 2021, at least in the United States. I did not see internationally the dates, but in the United States, November 1st, 2021. Yasmin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so excited to talk to you. I was, when I was reading your bio, I was like, debut novel, awesome. English teacher, awesome. Developmental copy editor, awesome. I was like, man, like we could do this. We could do this show for hours. For hours. So what you're like, wait, wait, wait. Um, so here's where I want to get started. Um, you are, uh, we're recording this at the end of August. So we're, uh, five weeks ish, let's just say, um, oh no, sorry. Let's say nine weeks ish from your debut novel being published. What is the view like from where you are sitting? Oh gosh. That is how, how are you, question. how how are you feeling nine I weeks am out? Feeling, let me think here. I am feeling like it's all like surreal. Like I don't, okay. it's not quite even now. Um, it's not quite real. And uh, even when you were saying all that stuff and you were like debut, I was like, is that me he's talking about? Is that me? So <laughs> it's very still like, I guess. I don't know. I don't even know how I'll feel on that day. I mean, I do have the, um, you know, the arcs and stuff like okay. that. So it, I know it's there, but it still is something that I'm just like, is that really me? Like, I can't believe it because I've yeah. been working on it for so long that it's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, 
I've been so fortunate. I've been able to talk to um, a bunch of debut novelists and their experiences kind of sound like yours, a little, a little bit surreal, you know, Mm -hmm. a little bit like we do something for so long alone. And then all of a sudden it's Mm -hmm. about to be out in the world. Like there's a train moving to November 1st right now. (laughs) Like, yes, yes. Um, if you could go back for actually, first, let's start here. Talk to me about the story of her name is night. You know, how long have you been working on this book? When did it start? What's this process been? I'm sure it's been very easy, smooth rainbows and butterflies, but um, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> what has it been like for you? Um, wow. So I, it, this story has been marinating in my head for probably since about um, 2011, 2012. Um, it's always something that I kind of wanted to write. And then like my, I lost my father around that time. And so I was dealing with a lot of grief and a lot of um, just a whole lot of things going on. And there was a lot of change in my life. I just moved uh, to South Carolina with my girls and everything. So there was a whole lot of, of change. Then, mm-hmm. you know, my father passed away. And so I had that plus, you know, raising the girls and everything. And uh, this story was back in my mind and I just wasn't ready to really write it at that time, but it was always percolating. And then finally, a couple years later, let's see, I finished this book in 2019. Yeah, because I started querying in 2020. So I finished this book in early 2019. So I was teaching, I was still in the classroom mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. I was teaching my my eighth graders and eighth graders are some wild kids. <laughs> when you're when your girls get there, you'll see like they, They'll never they have be a whole lot <laughs> yep. they're, they're, they're actually yeah. not growing up anymore so right they're just yeah, gonna stay right where they yeah, are yeah. They're, they're, they're done now they're done now <laughs> but yeah so I was I was teaching full-time um, gotcha. in the day and then you know taking care of the kids in the evening and then right when they were done then I was you know writing um at that time and then you know I you know got a new job and everything so I'm always I was always writing in between like work on mm-hmm. lunch breaks mm-hmm. and, and things like that and so um so maybe about 2018 is when I just decided that I'm going to go ahead and write this book. And, you know, I just have to get these feelings out that I have about my dad and and all this other stuff. And so that's where like the story is really heavily, you know, cultural. I wanted to talk about, you know, my culture and and growing up a Ghanaian American and having parents that immigrated here for school, for, you know, for school and having Mm -hmm. that deep um, sense of culture and, you know, family, but living here in America, not having that same connection as I would have had when I was, you know, in Ghana and things like that. And so I wanted to bring all of that into the book. And then I also wanted to really focus on like the dad daughter, you know, relationship. That's why I can appreciate yours with your girls, because, you know, that's the kind of relationship that I had with my dad. And, and, you know, I just missed it so much. And so writing was cathartic for me um, because it helped me kind of deal with, you know, the loss of my dad and it just, and and that's who I dedicated my book to and everything. And so that's kind of where it, you know, it came from. So, so some big themes in there, right? Like the, the topic mm-hmm. of identity, you know, especially, you know, immigrating to a new country, mm-hmm. um, new continent, you know, I mean, like long way away, um, issues of, you know, parents, um, exploring that. Do you feel like you learned about those topics and yourself? Like I, as you're writing, did, did, did things come up that you're like, oh, I didn't know that was there. I, I, di- I didn't know that was a part of my identity or my experience or my relationship with my father? 
Well, yeah, like I, I think, you know, my my character deals, like you said, a lot with identity, a lot with names because she, mm-hmm. she's called a lot of names. And so, you know, that's something when I was growing up, you get called, you know, certain names, especially if people know that your your family is not you know American or mm-hmm. whatever. You know how kids can be. Um, yeah, yeah. And then just like I didn't realize I thought when I wrote it you know, oh, I think I'm okay with, you know, the loss of my dad or whatever. And so as I was writing it and, and how, you know, the places where Mina went, and I'm talking about like just her story, her journey, um, just really let me see like where my mind was. And I was like, gosh, I didn't know that I was Mm -hmm. really feeling this way. Um, And that's, you know, how it came out into this story. Um, And I just felt like Nina's journey was just very much, you know, my emotional journey, but then also my trying to tell this story as true as possible to, you know, who Nina is um, in my mind. And and I wanted to just, I guess, let the reader kind of have some insight into, you know, how somebody from the outside may feel about, you know, having all these changes. She has Mm -hmm. a lot of changes in her life. It's about, you know, your biological family. It's about your found family, you know, in adoption. And then it's also about the family like you choose, to be in, you know, people that you choose to be in your family. And that's also something that I was learning at that time. So I guess that was my big learn was being able to choose who's going to be in and out of your family, you know? Yeah. I sometimes think about this and I'd love to hear your reaction. Like, I'm curious, like, why do you think, oftentimes we think about a relationship with the story and we think about what they do to us. You watch a movie and you cry or you read a book and you cry or you get mad or throw it against the wall because the ending sucked or you know whatever. <laughs> but I, I'm wondering, like, why is it that that the writing of a story is also so powerful? I, I've wondered this, like, like, what is it that is about the telling that has as much impact on the storyteller as it does on like the person who receives the story. Does that question make sense? Yeah, I think it makes sense. It's because writing is such a intimate thing. Mm. And when someone is writing, they are literally giving you everything that is in their head, that Mm. is in their heart. They, there is no way someone is not writing a piece of them in their story, in the story. And so as a reader, one thing that I, I was saying to, you know, those, you know, when I was having interviews and things like that. So people who were asking me, you know, well, you know, what were you thinking or whatever? And, and the one thing that I would always say to everybody is, well, this feels really weird because it's like, it's like I'm in group therapy and I'm the only one who's sharing because you all know what's in my head and I know nothing about what's in your yeah, head. And so yeah. as the reader, the reader gets, it's like group therapy. The reader gets insight into that writer's mind at that time. Um, and writers can shed it or not after they're done, move on to the next, but then the next yeah. book is another insight into their mind. And so that's why I think it's very intimate. It's like one of the most intimate things, because if you read something of mine, be it a book or a, a journal or a letter, yeah. you are reading my thoughts and how I'm feeling. And so that's why I think when you're reading something, it is so impactful um, and it gives you the same kind of feelings. You're going on that same ride and roller yeah. coaster as the writer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have to think that's where a lot of writers get stuck is that's also really scary, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to, to put something that hurts 
or to put, I mean, like you, like for you, a loss, you know, a, a painful loss to put that on the page for the whole world to read yeah. is kind of terrifying. It's kind of, sometimes, sometimes I, um, I do this thing, my wife and I try and do this thing. Whenever we're trying to make a big decision, we try and put the entire decision in one sentence. Cause mm-hmm. for whatever reason, if you put it all in a sentence, it gets a different value. So like, for example, like when we were thinking about moving into an RV, it was like, we're going to leave our apartment sell all of our stuff and move into an RV and travel the country. And there's just something about saying it like that, that you're like, oh, that encapsulates a little bit more. Anyways, so this idea of being like, I'm going to write a story about the deepest, darkest parts of my soul, the things I feel the most deeply, I'm going to put it on the page and then I'm going to give it to a bunch of strangers to read and critique. It's pretty terrifying when you say it like that. You know what I mean? Like, Why did you say it like that? <laughs> I know. Everyone's like, forget this. I'm done with this. This sucks. Okay. So, so, so how, how then does one get over that fear? You just have to like, I guess you just have to bite the bullet and just, you know, do it. And then you just have to be honest with yourself that, you know, some people are going to receive it and some people aren't, but you are being true to yourself um, in the best way that you know how it's, and then just really be real. I'm trying to be realistic with myself in, in like, you know, there'll be people who like it and people who don't, but it's something I had to do for me. And I, it's, it's a book that I would read even as a reader. And that's also mm. something that, you know, I have to enjoy it too. And so all that emotional stuff aside, I really enjoy, you know, the book um, as a reader. So I'm a fan of, you know, this book as if I wasn't the person who wrote it. And mm, so I think mm. that that's what the person has to, whoever the writer is, you have to love what you're doing. If you don't love what you're doing, then you have to maybe put it to the side and work on something that you're going to love until you can love it again, or maybe you won't. Um, mm. And when you love what you're doing, people will, I think people will see that automatically, whether they, be, you know, yeah. whether they go for everything that you're saying in there or not, but they're going to see that while wow, this person really did put their all into it. Yeah. You, you said something, it kind of connected it down my brain, which is like the only strength thing, not the only thing, one of the things I should say, stronger than fear is love, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes the only way to, to push through fear is to love something more than you fear. Absolutely. It, you know? Absolutely. That's interesting for people out there that, that, that might seem unfair. And, and I, I hope it doesn't because, because it's easy to be platitude with stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah. not, <laughs> not, not trying to be just, just trying, just trying to call out that like, sometimes the antidote to fear maybe is love. You know? mm-hmm. Except for if it's spiders, that one is just going to be fear. Or I'm snakes. sorry. Or <laughs> yes, exactly. <Nice>. <laughs> Okay. So, so let's say you could go back in time. You go back to 2011, 2012, when this, when this story was taking shape in your head and you could tell Mm -hmm. yourself one thing that you now know that you didn't know then. I mean, we're talking 10 years ago, right? Taking a long time. What Mm -hmm. would you tell yourself? I would tell myself, that's a good question. I would tell myself that um, keep on going is what I, I would tell myself because there were times when I was near quitting mm-hmm. um, and I needed, and I was the only person who was reading, you know, nobody knew what I was doing. Yeah. And so I would, I would tell myself, keep on going. I would also tell myself to, you know, find some writing friends because I didn't, 
have anybody. I didn't know anything about the writing community or wasn't on Twitter. I wasn't doing any of that until, yeah. you know, um, I don't know, I think like two, 2017 or, or whatever. And so I, that's what I would need. So you need to find, find your tribe because I think that's what you need. And so that's what I would tell myself. So I take mm-hmm. all that. I, I would tell myself to find your tribe, find yeah. your writing tribe, mm-hmm. find your writing tribe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really powerful. It, um, our, our main kind of way that we keep our lights on is by providing like a place, a community for people to gather because like there's this big revelation, like writers actually need writers. Like we're actually not, yes. we, we like to work alone, but then, but then, you know, bitch to each other, you know, essentially about everything that's going wrong in our manuscripts. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so let's talk about the publishing process because this is still a mystery. I think for a lot of kind of first time writers who are thinking about um, their publishing options. So firstly, like, am I going to go traditional publishing or self-publishing? And then um, if I do go, wind up going the traditional publishing route, which is kind of how you've gone and go the route. Did you go? My goodness. Like I was reading the releases on your book. My goodness. All congratulations to what is an incredible debut. Holy guacamole. Anyways. Um, so what, what are some things you've learned about this, this traditional publishing process that you would have wanted to know, you know, if you were like getting to the end of a manuscript, or you're starting to think about which direction do I want to go? What is it you'd share with people out there maybe in that similar situation? Yeah. So what I would share, gosh, what am I, um, what have I learned? So what I've learned is it's definitely, publishing is definitely a business. Um, <laughs> and you, you think you want, you know, to, it's different talking to your writing friends than talking to like your pub, your editor and, you know, all the publishing people, because it's very much a business for them. I mean, yeah, they, you know, they love your book. That's what they're supposed to say and all that, but, um, but they're going to really tear apart your book um, and, so that you can, so that they can make it where it needs to be so that it could be published. And so you have to be ready for that. Yeah. Um, and they're not going to be like your, you know, your critique partner or your beta readers or anything like that, um, who will also hopefully be honest with you about things. But like, so you have to just remember that once you, once you, your book is, is purchased or, or, you know, you have a deal for that, then it's very much a, a business and hopefully you can kind of go with it and just work with them as best as you can, but also still, you know, stand by the things that you are very firm about in your, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in your book. Um, and, you know, they'll, I think for the most part, they'll go with it. Um, and, you know, prior to that, I, I don't know, am I answering your question? Actually? <laughs> Okay. Oh, totally. The right. question is just, just what you've learned. I mean, I mean, your, your experience and, and, mm-hmm. you know, this, this process and, you know, if you could go back and tell yourself like, here's what to expect, here's, here's yeah. some things you didn't know that I wish you had known. Um, I think those are really powerful lessons for people to hear. Yeah. 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 And, and me, I'm, I'm someone who is very much like, you know, oh, it's just going to be wonderful. I'm going to get this, you know, this deal. And then just the, mm-hmm. I'm just, all these words are going to flow <laughs> and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it was, it's very hard because, you know, I just finished book two and it's, it was really more of a struggle to write book two than it was to write book one. Why? Mm-hmm. Because after book one, 
like you said, people are, have read it and, you know, it, it's not even out yet. And so, you know, people are critiquing it and, and all this other stuff. And then I'm expected to write book two and I'm like, but I don't even know what everybody thinks about book one. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. and people are expecting things. So there's more expectation. That's also something with mm. publishing is people expect you to write this book, to make the book like the other one in terms of, you know, how it's going to grab people. So there's a lot of pressure. And you also, I also want to perform as I did. I'm like, I don't know what makes y'all like it, but I'm going to try to figure <laughs> that out and do it again. Can you, you tell know? me what so, was good about this? So I can read Yes. Yeah, I should have yeah. just asked. I'm like, what did you like so yeah. that I can replicate yeah. that? And um, so that was one of, I think, my biggest struggles, especially with book two, which is, you know, the sequel to the first yep. is, how do I do that lightning in a bottle again? Mm. Um, and, mm. you know, not that I don't think that, you know, I can write to that level, but if you're not too sure what it is that really hit with people, then you don't know exactly how to make the second one hit again. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I just don't want to disappoint. So, and that's something that I put on myself. And so I think also um, something that like even my publicist told me was, you know, be patient with myself and give yourself grace. And so when you're in the publishing um, world, you need to make sure that you're patient with yourself first mm -hmm. and give yourself grace, because if you're not, then you're not going to produce what you want to produce um, for the world. Mm, that's really beautiful. Giving yourself grace, I think is such a, <sighs> we could all benefit from that. Couldn't we? Yeah. Give yourself grace. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So Let's um let's talk about you as a developmental and copy editor. Got an editor. Yes. <laughs> yes, an editor. Yes. An um, editor, yeah. Yeah. And so and so you're working on fiction, developmental editing and copy editing on fiction. And so you've seen one trillion bazillion fulfilling manuscripts. Um what what are some of the big, you know, when you're reading a manuscript, like what are some of the big things you see mistakes you see novelists making? um, in your editing journey? Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah, definitely. Um, I enjoy developmental editing more so than yeah. copy editing because I really, look, I didn't become an English teacher for nothing. So <laughs> I live, you know, when I say that the word is my thing, like I, you know, I went to school yeah. for it, I taught it, you know? And so it's very important to me that like, it's the story. And so when I'm working on a developmental edit, I'm looking for, you know, what is the story mm -hmm. and making sure that the story it's, you know, one thing when I was learning, when I was mentoring or being mentored, sorry, to become an editor. Um, the one thing that um, they told me was, there is a promise that the writer is making to the reader. And you mm -hmm. want to make sure that the writer is, is giving, is, is being good, I guess, on that yeah. promise that they're, that they're delivering that promise. And so that's what I think about when I'm writing is I need to make sure that I'm delivered, which is what you know, I kind of talked to you about prior previously. And so when I'm looking at a book, I'm looking, is this story, is this promise? And sometimes the writer doesn't even know what mm -hmm. they are promising. And so I, when I'm looking at a developmental edit, I'm trying to figure out, okay, what is this writer promising to the reader? Yeah. And is, are they delivering for the reader? Because anytime you read, you want to 
when you close that final book or that final page, you want to be satisfied, right? Yeah. And, and, and feel like you have gotten the full story that you have really gotten to know and be invested in your, um, your characters. And so that's what I really look for. And I kind of highlight with the, with the writer is, you know, is this story um, solid? Is it a full thing? Have you met your promise to the reader? And if not, maybe these are some ways that you can. Um, and then maybe this is some way, uh, a way that you can develop this character so that it really hits with the, with the reader. Either they're going to love the person or the yeah. character, or they're going to hate the character, but they've got to have some sort of emotional something with yeah. the character and with the story. Can, can we talk about that promise for a minute? Um, mm -hmm. Like what's, what's an example of that? Like what's, what's, what's your, like the no-brainer everyone's read the book i don't even know great gatsby like what's the promise of great gatsby or you know i don't know what's what's another book that everybody reads um <laughs> um of mice and well, men <laughs> like okay of mice and men, I actually what did you teach i was gonna say what did you teach in the eighth grade because chances are it's probably the books that that a lot of us wound up reading Oh my gosh, what did we um I think Grant Gatsby is like the book, the eighth grade book. Yeah, okay. It? So like Gatsby is, is probably high school. Um, huh. but I also have taught high school. So okay. in the Great Gatsby, I would say like the promise to the to the reader is, you know, um whether or not Gatsby is going to achieve this thing that mm. he wants, the, you yep. know, Daisy. Mm -hmm. um, and this, you know, for the whole book, he's really struggling to to be what Daisy needs him to be, right? And he's also like struggling with himself because he wants to be accepted by this community of people who really don't want to accept him. So, so the promise I think to to the reader that that um, Fitzgerald was trying to make was, you know, by the end of this book, you are going to figure out, well, we're going to find out if Gatsby is able to achieve this thing, if he's mm. able to achieve acceptance, is he able to achieve this happiness that he's been trying to have with this one person, yeah. you know, for so many years, and whether or not he actually gets it or not, the promise is made, I mean, the promise is delivered, because we find out at the end, whether he gets it or not. Yeah. Um, yeah is, so that's is, is, yeah is the promise is that something that like a writer one might consciously come up with is it something that comes out in the drafting process like um i, I think it's an important point and, and it might mm -hmm. be like a, a synonymous like the theme story question it kind of sounds it kind of sounds like there, there's some some blend in there mm -hmm. and there's always this idea of like and maybe this is th this is really relevant for me too and so this is my show so i get to ask whatever i want and so it's like right. um <laughs> <laughs> I do whatever I want. Um, which is like, how does one come up with the theme or 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 that promise? Like, where does it? How's that developed? Right. You know. Well, I guess that also goes with whether you're going to be a plotter or a pantser, you right. know, and all this other stuff. And right. so, uh, let me give yeah. exactly. <laughs> okay, so I'll give all credit. So the the my mentor who who actually brought that up to me and I, I, cause I never thought of like, what is the mm. promise? Right. Mm -hmm. And her name is Krista Desaire and she's an editor with source books. And so I give her all the credit because she's, that's what she always talks about is what is this promise? And so what she has also said, and what I've noticed for myself is most writers don't even know what they're promising mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. until the end, uh, even, uh, and, and they might not even know 
after the end and someone else has to say, oh, this is what you kind of were talking about. Me as a writer, I didn't, I don't know what my promise is until afterwards. And then after maybe I've done a read through and then I'm like, oh, okay. So that's really what I was trying to say. Or maybe midway through when I've gotten real good into the story, then I'm like, oh, this is kind of what I want to, to kind of talk about. And so this is what I want to deliver at the end is this essential question. An essential question is what we use like in the teaching world, like, what are we, what is the essential question of, you know, this particular unit or something like that? Um, and so that's the essential question that, you know, I'm trying to answer is, you know, what this father-daughter relationship. So yeah, it all it encapsulates theme and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. It's whatever people, you know, want to call it, but the promise is, it, you know, a story can have a theme of, family, but the promise is whether the writer actually delivers on that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, I think, the difference between the two is that you can have a thematic whatever, but if the person doesn't deliver on whatever it is that they're trying to achieve, uh, whatever message it is that they're trying to give to the reader, then they haven't delivered on that promise. Yeah. I like that. I I, I like the way you've, you've broken that down. That like makes sense in in you know brian brain and and okay. not not all things not all things click up there you know and so Same with yasmin brain <laughs> yeah, so so it's good I, I that 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 makes a lot of sense and, and i can see how that could be um plotter pants are aside a very focusing question you know it, it very much uh i think one of the hard parts of writing is is how are you gonna how are you gonna decide what gets in and what doesn't because like the whole, you know, we don't have a special effects budget, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's mm-hmm. no like can't afford that character in this, you know, mm-hmm. you can do whatever you want, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's almost like that that tyranny of choice makes it difficult sometimes to move forward because I think for some reason, specifically when they're like perfectionists, they'll be like, but what if there's a better option? <laughs> you know, what if there's a better character? What if I could say that in a better way? And I, I do think the way you've described that as being, this this question you're trying to stay true to and trying to answer at least does does some work of narrowing down what decisions you will and won't make and mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of power in that you know mm-hmm. a lot of power. I, I totally agree with you on that yeah. because I am somebody who um, will be like oh but what if this and so yeah. my my story and my characters can have so many different like changes and things but then. Mm-hmm. I need a focus. Um, and I am someone who tends to overwrite too. So I'll put a whole bunch of stuff in that I know probably won't come out. And um, which is what I did with book two. Not probably won't, probably will come out, yeah. which is what I did with book two. I overwrote. Um, and I told the editor, hey, you know, because I don't know what should come out. So you tell me because I'm too close to it. And I think everything is good. And I like to be so like thorough in, in when I'm telling a story um, that you know, even my family, like I, you know, my mom will be like, oh yeah, yeah. When you tell me, when you reenact a certain story, you really get into it. And I'm like, yeah, cause I'm a storyteller and I want to give you everything, the visual, yeah. and I want to give you all the sensory, you know, details and everything like that, but that could get kind of wordy. So, um, so yeah, definitely having that, that promise. And so I've, I've, I've written it. And when I go back to it again, after yeah. they've given me my note, then I'm going back to, okay, what was my promise to the reader in this, in this story, Nina is going to do what I want this, the, the readers to, in, to have what in this story. Mm. And it could be anything. It could be a writer could be like, I want my readers to have a whole lot of action. 
So then that means their focus is, you know, they're going to put a whole lot of action. They're going to, it's going to be high octane. It's going to be boom, 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 all this other stuff. Um, And as long as they put that all the way through that, you know, the reader can be satisfied, then they've delivered on that. So a promise can be anything Mm. that, you know, the writer deems is most important that they want the, the, the reader to receive. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, Let's be, be before I move into these final five questions. Can't believe we're at that time already. But before I yeah, get there, like, is is I know <laughs> I should start sending these out. Another discussion for another time. <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> another discussion. Where the twists are simple. Um, so here, what, what what's another like one of those um, kind of like softball? And it's so uh, for the people listening to the podcast the the light is shining off of something and like illuminating my face in a way that looks like I have like down lighting. I like, look. Right. I'm like, your lighting is wonderful. It's like you're being, you're sending into heaven. I know. I'm like, I'm like dying. <laughs> this is like the light die off before I go. Um, anyways. So what is another, like one of those big tips? We have story question, which I think is awesome. That is such an amazing, powerful tip. Like what are some other things in your developmental copy editing that you've seen? Like boy, like when writers do this, their story goes from like a seven or eight, it hits it up another point or two. Like it's a big difference that these writers can make. Um, I think also, I guess, working with dialogue tags, working with um, not being another thing, I guess. And that's something I also have to, um, to do is you don't have to be so technical with all the moves that you know, a character is making. Um, you want, you don't have to say they turned here and then they did this and then they did right. this. And then and then another thing um, that, you know, writers, you know, those throwaway words that take up a whole lot of real estate on the page. I am somebody, I know that I do this. I write a whole lot of so's. So what you're saying mm-hmm. is, and so, so, so. So I have to be really cognizant of taking out all the so's and the that's yeah. and the, you know, those kind of throwaway words. And I think, writers developmental if as as when you're making the story succinct and you're you know you're making those lines like sharp and and that also delves into copy editing but even in a story you want to tell the story as streamlined as possible because you want to make sure that that story is in there and then you can add like all the you know all the extra bells and whistles and prettiness and stuff like that but um i think sometimes the writer sometimes writers and myself included we get too like mired in some things like you said like all these things i want to add in and then we lose our focus focus. And yeah. so it's the staying focused and remembering like what, what is your promise? If you have it, at least what, it, you know, you might not know, but at least kind of think about what is it that I'm trying to deliver for my readers and focus on that. And then yeah. just kind of write and be as streamlined as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that too. And um, we do a bunch of live workshops a couple of times a year, like three, four, cool. five times a year. Mm-hmm. And inevitably somebody asks this question of like, why, why do I have to be concise with my language? Like some of the old, like, you know, Victorian Elizabethan writers would write these big flowery scenes of, you know, 20 pages and absolutely nothing has happened in the story. Like it's just literally right. describing a room and what everyone's wearing. Like I think about sometimes um, like Moby Dick has like, huge long passages of just like total brain drain on whales mm-hmm. like late Miz has what i believe is my favorite book is like 50 pages on the paris subway like oh, nobody yeah. needs that for the story you know what i mean like mm-hmm. nobody needs to know how it's constructed mm-hmm. and so and so how would you respond to that when people are like well yeah but like look at these you know all these writers with these really long flowery 
um, expansive language in these 1500 word books or 1500 page books, why do I have to now be so concise and tight with my language? Well, probably because you're a newer writer. And so only the established writers um, and also yeah. specific um, genres um, yeah. will be allowed the opportunity to, to write flowery for that many pages. And even they will have like a cap on what mm -hmm. it is. And why is that? It's because the reader today is not the same as the reader of yesterday. And so while those, you know, the flowery language, people are short on time yeah. and they're short on att attention span. And so you want to hit the reader as quickly as possible. And they want that, you know, that, 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 what, what word am I trying to say? Like that payoff or whatever, yeah. they want that right now. And so that means you got to get that to them if you want to hook them. Once you hook them, then you can add in like a little bit of your flowery words, but you got to remember that they're going, their attention is going to wane. And if it wanes, then now they're putting down your book because they're yeah. like, all right, you're, you're kind of losing me. We, we've lost our focus. Where's that promise of action that you gave me, you know? Um, and so when you become an established writer, I guess, then you're going to be able to, to play around with the kinds of things that you like. But it also depends on like what kind of genre you're writing. Right. If you are writing, you know, literary fiction, then you might get away with more of the flowery words. But if you're writing a thriller um, and if you're writing, you know, genre fiction, then you can't, you don't have that, mm -hmm. that leeway yeah. to, to do all that. Yeah. Blame Twitter. Yes, exactly. Twitter and Netflix. You want to know why? Twitter and Netflix. Mm -hmm, it's all downhill mm -hmm. from there. Yep. <sighs> okay, well, here we are. Tried to fight it off as long as I could. I can't do this any longer. It's it is now <laughs> It is now time for me to ask you the final five questions. So I, I ask these exact questions to every guest. Um, going on these exact five questions, uh, I mean, this is this is going to be the 90th interview, I think. And so this is probably the, the, I don't even know, 75th time I've asked these. So I do this for a very specific reason. Um, and if you're a new listener, here's why. First reason, because I like to do it. So there's that one reason. The second reason is so much of this show, like what we're trying to do is show that there's not one way to create. Um, Yasmin has her way to make, to make story, to write story you're going to have your own way to make story. And what's most important is not to fall in this trap that you're supposed to go get some fancy dancy degree, or you're supposed to go do this, or you're supposed to go do that. Or if you were born into this type of family, or if you didn't have this type of experience, or I mean, like I didn't start writing until I was 35. It doesn't matter, right? Like everybody has to find their own way to create. And it doesn't matter where you are. You can do it. And I hope these answers show you how diverse everybody is. Everybody has different answers. There's never been two of these that are the same and you're not going to be the same as anyone else either. And that's, that's the point of it. That's the whole point of it. So with the preamble done, <laughs> let us, let us dive in. First question for you. What is one word that best describes you? And I thought about this too, and then it changes all the time. One word that best <laughs> describes me, yeah. uh, dreamy, dreamy, dreamy. Oh, I love that. I don't know if I've gotten a dreamy yet. Yeah. I'm always dreaming. Even oh, I'm that. just always thinking about 
a, a story, the not a story I'm going to write, but I'm just always thinking about something is a story, a picture, something is always playing in my mind. And so I am always like a dreamy kind of person. Mm, I love that word. Oh, I love that. Word. I'm going to sit with that one after this interview for, I'm going to carry that one with me. Okay. Question number two, if you had to pick a spirit book, so this is a book, like if you, you know, if you were able to die and be reincarnated as a book, it's a book you want to be reincarnated as. What book would it be? The book I would want to be reincarnated as, and I know people are going to be like, what? But I would be reincarnated as like Stephen King's It, because I just really <laughs> love that book. It was oh, like man. a bazillion pages yeah. and it, it was terrifying. And there are some issues, you know, there are things in there that people, you know, you might be like, but yeah. it was such a great book that it just totally like, I just love just the writing, just his, you mm-hmm. know, his, the things that he had. And so that's why I could just come back as that book because it, was, it just had so many things in there. Um, and there is just, yeah. Stephen oh, I love King's it. it. Stephen King's <laughs> it. That's another first. I've, I've yet to have it as it, as the book. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Question number three, is there a specific tool? It can be anything at all, pencil, software, chair, coffee, tea, anything that you absolutely must have to write. So I have to have, because I'm dreamy, I have to have like the TV on in the background and just Mm. like some show. And it's got to be a show that maybe I've already seen so that I don't stop working and watch it, but like a movie or whatever to be playing in the background because I need like that noise. And sometimes it could be a a movie or it could be music. But for most of the time, especially when I'm initially drafting, I'm going to have like something on in the background. Oh, interesting. That's so, that is so... This is, this is why I love to do this because there's some people are going to hear that. They're going to be mm-hmm. like, what? Like you can <laughs> write with a movie on like, like, cause I have had I people on the podcast have been like total, complete silence, like I pure sense. Right. And this oh. is, and this is why it's so interesting to me. Cause it's like, I have these wonderful, beautiful writers on and they get two completely, totally different answers. Right. And it's right. like, there's not one way to do this guys. There's not one way mm-hmm. you want to turn the TV on. It helps you turn the TV on. You know, you want to, you want to shut your kids out and it's total silence, shut your kids, like whatever works. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Question number four, how do you deal with the constant ups and downs of the writing life? I give myself grace Mm. and I'm patient with myself. So I have, there are a lot of downs and a lot of disappointments and things. And then Mm. I just, I just give, I just take a reset and give myself grace. And I'm just like, Yasmin, it's Okay. You've done what you, you know, what you Mm -hmm. can do. And so just kind of, you're okay. And then come back to it later and try to tackle it. Mm. I love that. I love that. Give yourself grace. Mm. Okay. Last, last question for you. Fifth and final, the final five. If you could give one piece of advice to new writers out there, what would it be? So this is also going to sound like platitude or, or, you know, about what, like what you said about loving you know, your book or whatever, but I, this is something that was for me. And it is always think when you're about to quit, if you think that this isn't for you or like just every, you're getting like the rejections from queries and and things like that. I always, I said it to myself and it's just try one more thing. Hmm. And for me, that one more thing was me applying for that Eleanor Taylor Bland scholarship, 
not well, you know, the um the award. Yeah. 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 Um, because right before that, I was going to hang up my my pens <laughs> and my papers. Oh my. And I was going to quit because of all of the rejections. And I was like, you know, just people, maybe people just maybe I'm just a horrible writer. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, you know, I just don't have what what it is. And so when I heard about the, when my friend, one of my friends told me about it, I was like, well, okay, I'll just try this one more thing. And that one more thing is what opened up all these doors for me and, you know, gave me a little bit more confidence in, in my writing. And so I say that not to sound, you know, like I'm trying to give platitude or not to give people some like BS response, you know, that doesn't have any depth. I only give the advice that I have myself used Mm -hmm. for myself. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. is to just try one more thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful way to, it's a beautiful way to wrap this up. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we can end on a higher note than that. Do one more thing. I really love it. Um, Yasmin, where can people find you on the internet? How do they learn more about you? Follow you? Where are you at? Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, my website is yasminongo.com. And then I'm also on Twitter at, at Yaz A Writer. And I am on Instagram. Well, I'm just learning Instagram because I'm old. And, you know, (laughs) so I'm just learning. And uh, so Instagram, I believe that's author underscore Yaz. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So, so look for the book to to drop November 1st. Yeah. Congratulations ahead of time. This episode will probably air just a little bit before the book comes out. So I want to say congratulations ahead of time for your debut novel. I have so thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you. Um, thank you for being on the show and sharing your experience, um, your vulnerability, your honesty. This is uh, kind of why I do this. It's just such a, a pleasure to, um, to be able to experience you and then to be able to share that. And so thank you so much for that and for your contribution thank you. here. Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you again. Thank you again to Yasmin for her time. If you haven't yet, please check us out on iTunes. You can leave us a rating and review. Also check us out on Instagram and Twitter where we kind of hang out on Twitter, more on Instagram. Lastly, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a wonderful week of writing.